0: Thank you so much for your giving, for your attendance, uh, for your care. Um, I want to give it up for somebody. uh, This is the last time we're going to see him in this condition, because the next time you would see Jared, Jared's getting married this week, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Cousin Jared, I call him Cousin Jared because my cousin married into the March family, and so now we just call him Cousin Jared. So I don't know why you needed to know that, but now you know that. Uh, but we're so stoked about, for Jared and, and Caitlin and uh, the journey that, that they're starting on. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Ezra. Go to the Old Testament. Go to the book of Ezra. If you have the U, U version app, you can find our notes right there, and it's much easier. Um, or if you've got a Bible with tabs, it's easier that way. Or if you've never gone to Ezra, go to the table of contents. Don't, don't feel ashamed. Sometimes, you know, someone says things like Obadiah, and you're like, is that a book of the Bible? you got to use the table of contents. We're launching a brand new series uh, called Days Without Incident days without incident. And the idea, the concept of the series uh, came from a sign that I had seen. uh, I've seen in factories, I've seen in workplaces and they're called safety scorecards. And usually it'll say like 130 days without incident or 130 days without accident. And the second something happens, an accident or an incident happens, they erase that number, they put it at zero. And the goal is to encourage a safe atmosphere while challenging the employees to Let's see if we could beat the latest record, and I'll be honest, when I think of the scorecard that goes up in workplaces, my brain immediately goes to that great gospel television show, The Office, um, where they're down in the warehouse, and because of Michael Scott, they got to erase the number and put zero. Uh, That's just what's in my brain. Um, But every year for the past four years, we have been doing a series on emotions and how to navigate and how to deal with them because I don't believe that emotions are a curse. Some of you believe your emotions are a curse from God. Some of you believe the emotions of your spouse are a curse from God or the ones your kids have. Uh, I believe that God has gifted us with emotions and like everything that God gives us, we are called to steward those. They're not meant to be our master. They're not meant to be our savior. They're not meant to be the thing that drives us. Uh, They are the thing that God has given us to help understand and to navigate life. And... Uh, Just like an iceberg, uh, we see 10% of an iceberg above the water, and what's dangerous is what's below the water. I mean, that's what sank Titanic. And if we don't navigate or know how to navigate our emotions, we don't know how to face them or to deal with them, um, those are the things that can actually sink us. And I just, and especially in this culture, I've seen two different approaches to emotions, uh, and they're two extremes. One is listen to them completely. 100% listen to them completely at all times and let them run your life. And I am still convinced that would be worse than a zombie apocalypse. Um, I'd rather face zombies than say, everybody just do whatever your emotions tell you to do. Would be disaster. Um, And yet there's the other side that just says, ignore every bit of your emotions because they're not important. I think both of them, can be detrimental to your life. So there's two thoughts as we launch into this series, two thoughts I want you to think about and grasp. And one is that every emotion is an invitation from God to not be afraid of your emotions. Every emotion is an invitation from God to not ignore and to not be afraid of your emotions. I know people that are afraid of them and I know people that are the polar opposite, unafraid of them. But those are invitations from God to pay attention to what's going on the inside, which leads me to number two. Every emotion you have gives gives you a window to what is going on deep inside of your soul. Every time you feel an emotion, it just gives you a window into what's going on inside the soul. Or as I think I said this a couple years ago, every emotion gives you an indicator of what's taking place under the hood. Like warning lights on your dashboard. Those warning lights don't drive the car. They just tell you what's happening inside the car. And when we have our emotions and we look at them and realize they are a gift from God and they're also indicators from God to pay attention to what's happening to our soul wanna help us with this. And let's see, we did for 10 years, we did a marriage series for 10 years and four years ago we decided, I feel like God gave me a direction to kind of shift a little bit and begin to deal with our emotional state and how to navigate it biblically, how to navigate it by the power of the Spirit of God. And we have just seen an amazing work of of the Lord in people's lives, and people's hearts. We've seen tremendous healing during these series. We've seen God put put people's feet to healthy paths. So I'm telling you, if you know people who are struggling with their emotions, or they don't know if they're struggling with their emotions. Phenomenal series to invite them out to. A fantastic series, especially for those that maybe grew up in church and you just emotions were just tossed to a side. Um, I've been told that Pentecostals like me you put too much into emotions, and I will admit that Pentecostals I mean, listen, I don't handle snakes, okay, I'm not one of those, um, but. I feel like if we just ignore what God gave us, we're missing out on the things that God gives. Because if you look at the scriptures and the gospels, Jesus showed emotion. In fact, um, we see throughout the scriptures that they're emotional words that describes God. It's just an anthropomorphic way to understand the heart of God for us. So um, look at Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. I give you tons of time to find Ezra. Verse ten says, "The wise, when builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout." And when they praised the Lord, because the foundations of the house was laid. Let me pause right there. Notice why they shouted. Why did they shout? Because the foundation of the Lord was laid. The temple wasn't built yet. Just the foundation was laid. But, verse 12... Many of the priests and Levites and the head of the father's house's old men who had seen the first house, that's Solomon's temple, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouts from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. Here's the sitch. Here's the scenario. is You've got... Two different groups that are having two different emotional responses. The foundation of the temple, we can call it the church, was laid. The, first, the foundation of this new temple was laid. And you've got one group celebrates and they're singing, they're shouting. They're like, man, we've come home. We've come out of captivity and we've got a place that we're going to worship at. And they're so excited. But there was another group that when they saw the foundations being laid, they begin to cry out. They begin to weep. They begin to mourn. They begin to lament. And it was such a loud cry that it said from people all around, you couldn't distinguish if people were crying or people were laughing. They couldn't distinguish the emotion, the difference between the two vastly different emotions that were crying out that day. Today, I wanna to talk to you about this passage. I wanna to talk to you today about weeping. I wanna to talk to you today about triggers. The things that can trigger, rise up, and pull up emotion and can sometimes just get the best of our hearts. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your day. We rejoice. We are glad in it. I ask that you would help our understanding, help our hearts to grasp what you want us to see. I pray that, Lord, not a single soul would leave this place the same way that they walked in. Lord, this is your time, and this is your word that we're preaching. This is your message to be said. I ask that you would help us, that guide us, and Lord, I pray that already that the healing presence of the Spirit of God would just permeate this room, hearts, and minds for every single one of us, every single one of us that have gone through trauma in our lives, that have moments that trigger that trauma, and resurface old hurts. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing balm would be placed upon hearts today, minds today, emotions, mentality that we would see Jesus rise up and the enemy conquered today I believe that I trust in that God and believe you're going to do great and mighty things here we speak that in Jesus name amen it was uh, 2019 2019 that uh, cousin Jared who was on the keyboard um, convinced me to go out to a place called the Reds Red River Gorge in Kentucky and it was one of the best experiences of my life, but it takes a certain type of climbing. So I learned, I think the week before, how to do that type of climbing. Probably not the best idea, but hey, that's just what I do. And we went climbing and we, we were just having the most amazing time. And now granted the spiders out there, like the bodies of the spiders are ginormous. And so with the legs, you've got, you know, when you talk to the spiders, you know that they're pretty big. Like, I I put my hand on hold, I look, I see a spider. I'm like, listen, if you don't bother me, I won't bother you. If we have an agreement, then I'm just going to keep moving. The spider doesn't move, I move, and we're all good. Um, Or the time where I'm climbing, I'm like 60 feet in the air, and I put my hand up, and a snake crawls out of a hole next to my hand and crawls across and just keeps going. It's just just one of those great experiences where... You know, you're hanging on by dear life. You're wondering, am I gonna pee while this happens? Am I gonna fall off? What about the guy below me? Oh my word, it's just a wild experience. Uh, But something had happened in one of our climbs. And I don't know how exactly high up I was, but I clip into a carabiner on the wall and then I climb up another, I don't know, 15, 20 feet above that 12 to 15 feet. And when I went to go clip into this wall, this is the exact wall, in fact, you can see my legs hanging off the side here. I'm about 20 feet above that spot right there. And what had happened was before I can click the rope in, my left foot slipped. And so what happens, I slip and I fall, the rope doesn't catch me until I fall well below my last clip, but there's a problem, and you can see what the problem is, it's what I'm sitting on, there is a granite ledge that's there, and so I fall down, I don't know how far, and I smack against it, and I'm rolling, and I think Jared caught me mid-roll. And so when I finally rested, I'm laying there, my legs are laying over, and everyone below is arguing, is Dave okay, is he dead, is he knocked out, and who's going to go get him? It's like a rock, paper, scissors moment. Who's going up to get Dave? And meanwhile, I lean, I'm leaning up, I lean up and I put my hand over. I'm like trying to wave that I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. And you know, I walk away and I had this amazing idea. I should buy a helmet. That would be an outstanding thing to have while climbing, which for Christmas, guess what I bought myself? I bought myself a helmet. So, because if I were to land on granite again, it'd be nice to protect my melon. So... After this climb, we begin to go to some, other, to some other crags and do some other climbing. But after that moment, everywhere I went, I have what, Ethan and I just call it, we call it at the climbing gym, we have what we call the yips. What's the yips? When you have a particular set of skills, you have a particular set of abilities, but something takes place that begins to get in your head, and all of a sudden you begin to doubt your abilities, doubt your skill level, doubt what you can do, and you begin to get tentative, scared, or fearful, and you can no longer do that which you know you can do. All of a sudden, for the next two days worth of climbing, I would climb, but I would would shake with fear because in my brain, if my foot slips, that could happen all over again. And I remember, I mean, it it was just getting back to the climbing gym here in Kalamazoo. It was not my right foot, but when my left foot slipped, all of a sudden, one left foot slip would make my whole body tremble with fear because of something that took place two weeks, three weeks, four weeks prior. And after about four weeks or so, it kind of got out of me. Up until about two months ago, I'm climbing with Ethan at the gym and we're climbing a brand new route and something spun. My foot slipped. I hit my head on a hold. Some of you like this explains so much. Hit my head on a hold, came back down, and after that I went to climb the same route again and I couldn't do it. And Ethan looks at me, he says, You got the yips, don't you? I'm like, I do. And to break out of that mode, it's something about something that impacts us that we then carry over into other things. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in situations that and we know in our heads, I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to overcome this. I should be able to get through this. Why can't I do it? What has happened? I call it the yips, but in probably better terms, we can call those triggers. Triggers that happen. Things that happen that bring about an emotional response that we maybe didn't understand that we had or bring up trauma that we didn't realize still sits with us. This is Ezra chapter three. Let me give you the background of Ezra chapter three. The people of Israel have left 70 years of bondage, 70 years. They were in bondage to Babylon. They were away. We we read a lot of of the scriptures out of Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, Those The scriptures where the prophet is speaking to the people of God as they're in Babylon, they're in captivity. And you got to understand that 70 years prior to this moment, that when the Babylonians came in, they destroyed Jerusalem. And specifically, they destroyed the temple of Solomon. They completely destroyed it. And so those people... They go into slavery, they come out of slavery. Now you've really got two groups coming out of slavery. You've got people that were old enough to remember the temple of Solomon. They went into slavery and then they came out and now they're beginning to see Jerusalem and they're beginning to see the temple. And what they see is nowhere near close to what Solomon had built. And when they see what's being built and they recognize this is not what we thought it was going to be. This is not the temple we remember. This is not the, 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 the gorgeous, the opulence, the, the, the beauty that made the queen of Sheba speechless. You see, the temple of Solomon would take your breath away. And so when they see the temple, the new temple being built, they begin to weep They begin to wail. They begin, their hearts break. See, the other group didn't understand because there are those that didn't remember the Temple of Solomon, why? Because they were born in captivity. They were born in Babylon. They were born in that place. They were born, and all they knew was slavery. All they knew was oppression. And so, when they got there and they saw Jerusalem, they saw a new place, a new land to live, a freedom to live in, and they saw a temple being built. They thought, We now have a place to worship. When they saw that, what triggered in them was, This is not as bad as we thought, as we used to be living. Now we've got a place to worship. And they would celebrate, and they were excited because of what was there. But you've got these two groups where they got this emotional turmoil that's taken place. Everything was lost and and everything that we had was gone. And what we're building is nowhere near what it used to be. Have you ever been in a church where people are lamenting that what we are now is not what we used to be? Have you seen, have you ever heard of a country where we were divided between people celebrating and people crying? Have you ever heard of a country like that? Have we not seen this in our families over the past 12 months? Fracture between people celebrating and people crying, people broken and, and people feeling good about ourselves. This is what seems like our culture is split one side or the other. We believe this, we believe that, and we've got two different extremes that are going on. This is Ezra chapter three. And something has taken place that has triggered some pain. Triggered some agony. What's a trigger? I'm going to give you a definition. A trigger is something that sets off a memory, transporting a person back to a moment of trauma. It is a memory. It could be a, and that memory could be triggered by a scent. There is some lady that works over here at Meijer that wears the same perfume as my grandmother. She has to work there because I smell it there all the time. And every time I get that scent, there's memories. Or how about, how about a song? Sometimes songs bring back memories, moments, um, weather, colors, pictures. A trigger can set off a memory transporting a person back. So for the temple being built, immediately, it took a group of people and transported them all the way back without a flux capacitor, all the way back to this place where all of a sudden they begin to remember, oh, instead of celebrating where we're at, all I can do is mourn and grieve what we lost. We lost it all. And while everybody's celebrating, look at what we've come to, people are over here just pouring themselves with gut style crying, this is what we've come to. It's nowhere near what it used to be. The word trauma, trauma really can be both physical and psychological. Trauma is in the physical context, Injury inflicted on a person by an external agent. Psychologically, it is emotional response to a deeply distressing, disturbing event. Trauma can hit us in the physical, it can hit us in the psychological. In fact, psychologically, there are three types of trauma. I guess Will's physically. There's chronic trauma, which is repeated, long exposure or long-term trauma. Acute trauma is a single stressful event Complex trauma, exposure to a varied and multiple traumatic events, usually in the context of an interpersonal relationship. Like my moment on the wall was an acute trauma. It was a single stressful event. But there are people within the sound of my voice and there are people including the person speaking that have gone through other types of trauma, things that they were repeated to for long periods of time Exposure to multiple traumatic events in the context of an interpersonal relationship, a friendship, a family, sometimes even, unfortunately, a marriage. And why is this important to talk about on a Sunday morning? Why read this, read about this and, and, and have conversation about this and have a talk about this? Because I believe that every single person here can and does deal with trauma. We all deal with trauma. And trauma can hit us in a different way. Trauma can hit, you can hit two people that are very similar, but hit them in different ways. Then you can have the same event happen to one, to two people, and they both can diversely respond to it. If you don't believe me, then you slept through the whole election cycle. Because I don't know about you, whether you admit it or not, it traumatized this country. COVID has traumatized this nation, and this world. And what we have done out of this mode is I've watched watched people traumatize each other. The trauma has hit us. And what happens is we can get through those moments and if we don't realize that a trigger can bring us back to the original trauma. You see, when I look at this, I'm just gonna tell you, in Ezra chapter three, the temple that they were building was not a bad temple. There was nothing really wrong with the temple itself, nothing wrong with it. The temple wasn't the problem. You know what the problem was? It was the trauma. The trauma was what was hurting and had never healed in their hearts. These individuals that were old enough to remember. Now, if you you notice, it says the young and the old. When it says the young and the old, this is not pinning two generations. It's not talking about age, it's talking about a distinction. The old were those that were alive before the temple was destroyed, and they remembered. If you were born one year into captivity, that means when you came out, you were 69 years old. And so you can have people similar in age, but diverse in experience. And when this temple is built, this foundation is laid, it triggered people back to the original trauma. They saw it and they went to celebrate and they crumpled down into their tears. It says there in verse 13, they began to weep and their weeping was so loud that it blended in with the celebration and nobody could tell the difference. There are things that will make you and I weep. There are things that will make you and I cry. Like, can I just give a word that I'm gonna gonna talk about in just a little bit? It's okay to cry. It's okay to shed tears. It's okay to navigate hurt. The last thing I'll say, I'll say at the end of the service, but for some reason, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say it right now. You can trust God with your trauma You can trust Jesus with your pain. It's okay to weep. Do you know why I know it's okay to weep? Because Jesus wept. What makes us weep? Let me list a few things. What makes us weep? Worry, worrying that you will lose what you remember. I've watched people weep because they, are, they feel like they're gonna lose the things that they've remembered. Some people will weep over the grief that they feel out of uncontrolled outcomes. Some of us this year have been grieving over outcomes that were so out of our control. Thirdly, what makes us weep? The cumulative effect of our past trauma and our current changes. What makes us weep is the inability to find joy in the midst of uncertain times. Can we just call what we're living at right now uncertain times? And I don't know about you, I have found it a struggle to find joy in the uncertain times. Number five, the assumption that anything less than what you have is less than God's will. Some of us have almost idolized the times of the past thinking that was God's best and anything less than what we had is going to be less than God's will. Or how about this? The realization that life has changed without my permission. That will make me weep. In our January series on the hope, I I gave you just a little tidbit on lamenting and I thought it it really was bearing worth repeating. Lamenting in scripture is so beautiful. It's tough, but I think it's a beautiful thing. And there are three reasons why you find lamenting in scripture. And I wanna put those up on the screen because I think these are so important. Lamenting in scripture brings three Ps. It brings protest, process, and probe. What do we mean by protesting? Protesting is nothing more than bringing attention things to people or bringing things to the attention of God. So when we cry, when we cry out, when we weep before the Lord, yes, we're bringing attention to God. Sometimes we're crying with other people to bring something to their attention, to let them know what's going deep down inside of our hearts. Secondly, it helps us to process. It gives us a place to navigate our emotions. And then thirdly, it's a probe. It causes us to probe ourselves, to ask ourselves questions as as well as to ask God questions. And let me just encourage some of you that have had poor theology taught to you years ago, because I had it taught to me that it is wrong to question God. And those past pastors and evangelists that have said that, they've never read the book of Psalms. Because you get people asking God questions over and over. God knows you're questioning him. It's okay to voice it. Some of us think, well, if I voice it, it puts power to it. God already knows what you're thinking put a voice to it because it's gonna do more. than It It doesn't let God know what you're feeling. He knows what you're feeling. Sometimes it's us letting us know what we're feeling because if Jesus can cry, you can cry too. Shortest verse, one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible, John chapter 11, Jesus stood at the tomb of the man that was a friend of his and he knew he was gonna raise him from the dead. Yet Jesus in his humanity still wept over the loss. And if Jesus cries, you can cry too. Because if you don't go through your hurt, you will get lost in your hurt. Man, let me say that again. If you don't go through the hurt, I'm not saying sit in in the hurt. I'm not saying this is your hurt and just sit there for a while and think about what you did. That's punishment. I'm talking about stepping through your hurt, working through your hurt, navigating your hurt. Because if you don't go through the hurt, then you're going to get lost in that hurt hurt, because some of y'all are here and you're trying to portray that every little thing's gonna be all right. Some of us in the room, we want to keep up a front because we just wanna show that we are okay, that we are strong, that we can deal with anything. And because we don't wanna help, we love helping other people, but we don't want other people helping us. And we don't want other people coming to our aid. We don't want to look weak, but I'm here to tell you that weeping, that crying, that lamenting, that working through your hurt doesn't make you weak. Sitting in your hurt and refusing to do anything about it, that's what weakens the church. And the world doesn't need a perfect looking church, they need a perfect savior working through an imperfect people. Because when people actually see the healing happening in our lives, they will truly say there really is a God. The testimonies of our healing will be the songs that we will sing to the people around us. But we have to come real with the trauma and we have to come real with the trigger. And I wanna give a word to somebody this morning, pain doesn't mean sin. It's okay to hurt. Now, some sin brings you into pain, let's admit that. But just because you're in pain doesn't mean that you're in sin. And just because you're hurting doesn't mean you're in sin. And the devil has manipulated this to make us begin to feel shame and to stay in that spot but there's something to say, there's just something about crying out to God. I begin to look up the word cry. I went to BibleGateway.com and I just typed in the word cry and are just shocked at the amount of times we read the word cry. Go into the book of Psalms alone, and you'll see like Psalms 9, verse 6, that when it comes to our crying, he does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Psalms 18:6. My cry reached his ears. Psalms 34:15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and to his ears, toward their cry. Psalms 34:17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their trouble. Psalms 39.12, hear my prayer and give here to my cry, O Lord. Don't hold back your peace at my tears. Psalms one: I cry out to the Lord aloud to God and he will hear me. Psalms uh, 116 verse 1, I love the Lord because he hears my cry. There's something about us crying out to God that seems like he draws closer to us than any other time. You know what that encourages me? Is that my crime, that my brokenness, that my trauma doesn't keep God away. God is not scared of your trauma and God is not scared from your drama. In fact, the scripture seems to point out that when we've got trauma in our life, that that's the time he gets closer to us like a child that falls down. Whenever my kids fell down, if they skinned their knee, I didn't walk slowly over to them in that moment and be like, oh, what did you do there? That looks pretty bad. Let me know if you need something. My kids fell down, I rushed to their aid because there's something about my child in pain that would rush me to their side. There's something about our pain that doesn't keep God distant. He rushes to your side and he's ready to hear your cry. Have you ever been through trauma in your life? I have. I have struggled even thinking about what I wanted to share about this today. But there are times in my life and there are still times in my life, and maybe you're like me and you've had moments with individuals where their name on your caller ID sends your heart into thumping. All of a sudden the blood pressure feels like it goes up. There is a, I think of an individual in my life that I actually have to see once a year at minister meetings that just the sound of his voice The sound of a voice will send me, will send me back 70 years so to speak. And I don't remember how good it was. I just remember the hurt that happened. Is anybody else in my shoes today? Anybody else in this place have triggers? Anybody else have trauma? Anybody else been in the place where you just, you have holed yourself up in this place and you've got the yip, so to speak, where you think, I should be able to navigate. And just the sound of that voice one more time, all of a sudden it sends you to the place where you start doubting yourself all over again. It sends you to a place where you say, can I navigate this? Will I ever get past it? Have you ever asked God that question? Will I ever get past this moment? My wife will tell you when I have those moments that within a few days, I will have a nightmare where I'm back in the situation again. And one more time, I'm on my face before God saying, God, I don't wanna be the latter group weeping over what had happened. I wanna be the people that doesn't live in the past trauma but look and says, God's doing something new right now. You see, when we've been hurt, We have a choice. We can daily rehearse what happened or we can daily release things into the hands of Jesus. You and I have got a choice every single day and listen, I've heard a preached. just released it to Jesus, and we act, us preachers, man, I will beat us, us preachers up. I think we painted a picture that it's a one-time choice. I'm here to tell you that following Jesus is not a one-time choice. It's an every single day choice. And when it comes to our healing, there are times that we've got to realize that the releasing of our pain is not about the one-time moment at the steps of the, of the platform or in the prayer room with the team. It is an every single day that says, I hear the voice, and Lord, instead of living in the hurt, I'm going to choose to believe you're going to lead me through the hurt it's all about working through and living through there is a difference between the stories you tell if living life saying i experienced hurt or living life saying god brought me through the hurt one is the address i live at the other one is the story i tell i want to have a story to tell and not a place where i live I want a story to tell. I want you to have a story to tell. I don't want to be the latter group of Ezra chapter three that just lives in the pain of how things had been and what had happened. I want to be that new group that says, we heard the stories, we've been through captivity, but look at the new thing that God is doing. Look at what God is building. Fix your eyes, lift up your eyes. You're not where you used to be. Look where God has brought you. C.S. Lewis says this. Pain speaks to us on multiple levels. First, it shatters the illusion that all is well. Second, pain shatters another illusion that we are self-sufficient and all that we have is of our own doing. Third, pain teaches us to rely upon God for when we make decisions, it is out of the strength we have in him. Pain hits us and realizes, it helps us to realize that we just can't just say all is well it's recognizing that we've got stuff to work through and something God wants to work in. And it helps us to understand that we can't navigate. You were never built to navigate life apart from yourself. The Garden of Eden was the way we were meant to navigate life. You're like, naked? No, not necessarily. We were meant to navigate life in communion with God that no matter what we walk through and what we go through, we're right there with We're together with him, walking with him, talking with him, and yet within, when we have these trigger moments, when we have these moments where something hits us and the trigger brings back the trauma, what we end up doing more often than not is is instead of rallying Jesus, rallying our pain to Jesus, we rally people to our pain. And we spend more time trying to get people to feel what we feel instead of going to the Lord and saying, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I have. This is what I want to give you. Because there's a difference between going toward people to get help and just trying to get people, everyone, to feel what you're feeling. I'm here to tell you, not everybody is gonna get what you're going through and feel what you're going through. But we need each other to get through what we need to get through. And so I wanna help you today I wanna give you some simple strategies. Worship team, I'm gonna need y'all out here, so I'll shut up. Worship team, come on out. There's a simple strategies I wanna give you to help you with your triggers. This, preparing for this message, move, it moved me so much and I didn't think it was gonna hit me this hard during the message. I wanna help you because Maybe like me, you've got some triggers in your life, some things that just trigger the trauma of the past up. I just wanna give you some practical things, very practical things. Number one, just write this down. I think this is important. Be aware that you have a trigger or that you have triggers. Be aware. Some of your marriages have triggers. Individually, some of you have triggers. It could be the sound of a voice, it could be atmospheres, it could be people, it could be situations, it could be smells, it could be songs, it could be your social media, it could be whatever. We all have triggers. Number two, track the trigger's origin. What is the trigger, when did it start? What was the trigger, when did it happen? What was the trigger? What does it take you back to? The temple gets built, I begin to cry. Why am I crying? It's not what I thought it was going to be. It didn't meet my expectations. No, wait, it's because something was stolen from me and taken from me years ago. Number three, reprogram your mind with truth. We, we preached about this last Sunday, about telling yourself a new story. Reprogram your mind with the truth. What's a simple truth this morning? I want you to write this down. I am loved by God, I am valued by Jesus, I am needed by others. I am, value, I am loved by God, valued by Jesus, needed by others. I'm loved by God, valued by Jesus, needed by others. If you can say it with me, go for it. I am loved by God, valued by Jesus, needed by others. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Tam Schwartz, who met with me months ago when I was doubting myself and in the middle of a conversation, he said, Dave, I need to stop you because the spirit of God is just speaking through me. And all he says, he says, David, just write down these words. You are loved and you are needed. And if you go in in my office, look at my desk, I had to put that on my wall to remind me every single day that I am loved and I am needed. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You are loved and you're needed, why? Because I want to reprogram your mind because what trauma wants to say is you're forever broken. You can never find healing. You can never have a good relationship now. Who's going to ever love you because of the fracture? And I want you to erase every lie from the pit of hell and begin to say, I'm going to reprogram my mind with the truth that I am loved by God, I am valued by Jesus, and I am needed by others. Number four, put action to the truth. Put action to the truth. Put actions to the things that you know to be true. If you are loved by God, I want you to start living that way. If you feel valued by Jesus, start responding that way. If you're needed by, if you feel needed by others, start helping people in that manner. Begin to put action to the truth. And number five, this is important, don't hurt alone. Don't hurt alone. Send a text, call a friend, reach out. If if God puts somebody on your heart to reach out to you, reach out to them. You're not alone. You have nobody to reach out to. You reach out to Pastor Dave. I'm going to tell you that you're loved, you're valued, and you're needed. You reach out. Reach out to somebody. If God lays somebody on your heart, maybe you're not hurting, you're not triggered, you haven't gone through trauma, but God lays somebody on your heart. Reach out to them. Get help because we were never meant to navigate hurt alone because you will never understand the type of relationships that are getting built in your life. Some of those relationships aren't meant for the moment. They're meant for the journey because they may need somebody. You may need somebody because what we face and what we will go through, we will go through triggers that will bring up some trauma But and then that trauma will lead us back to triggers and the triggers will lead us back to trauma. And if we don't interrupt the cycle with the truth of who we are and who God is and what he wants to do within us, we will perpetuate that cycle. How do we end it? Let's trust Jesus with our trauma. Let's trust him with our trauma. You've been hurt by the church. That's what traumatized me. I get it. But I learned this. I'm here today because I trusted Jesus with my trauma. I can trust Jesus with those triggers when I get the yips when that left foot slips, so to speak, in my life, and I hear that voice again, I get that text or that call again, I get that response. Ever have those peoples in your, in your life, they, if they message you, you know it's never a good thing. You guys have those? Just past your day? We've all got those, and it gives you the gift. I don't ever wanna do social media, email, I just wanna burn down the internet. We just go to these massive things. We go to these modes instead of actually getting healed and recognizing who we are in Jesus Christ. And I'm here today to pronounce freedom and deliverance for the captives. There's some people here, you are living in Ezra chapter three, and you're the celebration people. You see all the new stuff that God is doing right now, and you're celebrating that, and I celebrate that. I think that's wonderful. But there are others of you that you're like the, the generation that remembered the good old days, so to speak, and like you all well, just admit the good old days were never, never really that good. <laughs> But remembered remember today, and it wasn't just how good it was, it was also the trauma of what took away those good things. And I understand here that some of us are lamenting the normality that we used to have. Hurting over decisions, viruses, elections, things said from friends and family that we assumed were close. And we're living in the wake of travesty, but I'm here to say that the latter days that God gives will be greater than the former days. That was a word of prophecy that God gave the children of Israel, that the days ahead were going to be greater than the former days. They were lamenting a temple that went away, and they were lamenting what the temple they saw was going to be, but what they didn't foresee that one day they wouldn't have to worship at a location because the Son of God will come upon the earth, and He would lay down and die and resurrect for all of us, and He would make us into the temple. There would become a greater temple because sometimes it's hard to see it because of the trauma that's in the past. And I'm here to proclaim that if you want healing in your life this morning. I believe Jesus wants to heal you. The Spirit of God wants to deliver you. He wants to meet you in this moment and to help you through your trauma. Bow your heads with me. I'm so heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody's looking around. I don't ever, ever want to let a Sunday go by without giving an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you feel like you have wandered so far from Jesus. Maybe you've looked at your life and you've seen nothing but fracture and you think that is going to keep you from Jesus. Like Jesus wants nothing to do with you. I'm here to tell you that the cross and, and the resurrection should tell you everything that you need to know about Jesus. That he will go to any length, any length to reach you with his love so if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus but you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus with your life if that's you right now would you just slip up your hand I just want to know who I can pray for you're not living you're not living a relationship with Jesus but you're ready to make that decision I just want to look around is there anybody here you're ready to make that decision just a few seconds here Watching online if you're here in person you need to give your life to Jesus would you simply say the words Jesus I trust you today I trust you with my life I trust you with my heart I trust you with my trauma and today I commit to following you and ask that you would help going to come and they're just going to lead us into a song and and I want to take a next step here and this is going to be it's going to take a little bit of boldness and I apologize for going a little bit too long longer than I, I usually do here if you're here today and you maybe you have gone through some trauma and you're just ready for some new healing. Like me that you've got triggers in your life that you are so tired of being abused by your triggers. you feel like you were just being victimized by your triggers over and over and you just need some deep inner healing. a loss in your life, things done to you, things that you that were done because of your own decisions. Trauma is trauma. it all sucks. It hurts. But if you're here today and you need inner healing, Triggers happen, emotional responses follow, but you just, you admit you need healing. If that's you, could you just stand to your feet right where you're at? You just need some inner healing. Yeah. Look at this. You're not alone. You're not alone. I know some of the situations in this room, you've just been abandoned. You've just been left. Things have happened to you that were so out of your control. And some of you here, you've done things, and you know what you've caused, and and yet the enemy has put things guilt in your life. And I'm here to say, that who the Son sets free, he's free indeed. And what I'm going to have is this. Worship team, would you just begin to sing over them the song that you've prepared? And if you're here standing, would you put yourself in a posture of prayer, okay, first? It's just simply this. Just lift your hands like this. If you want to put your hands higher, that's fine. But it's offering what you have. The trauma, the hurt, the emotional responses to the triggers. Would you just lift, hold, like you're holding it here and you're offering it to the Lord. Could you do that? Worship team, we're going to sing over them. Congregation, the reason why I have them stand is for you to begin to pray over them. Just begin to pray over them right where you're at. Look around you. If you don't know their name, that's cool.